Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Bell Media President of Content and Programming Mike Cosentino about how the Canadian broadcaster and its in-house studio have adapted to the pandemic and how hit CTV drama Transplant has found success south of the border with NBC. And Claire Mundell, founder and creative director at Glasgow-based Synchronicity Films, talks about building on the success of hit miniseries The Cry to establish a base in Australia. Canadian medical drama Transplant is notable for a number of reasons. First and foremost, its central protagonist is a Syrian doctor who flees his war-torn homeland to build a new life in Toronto. Second, having debuted on CTV in February just before the coronavirus pandemic hit, the 13-parter became the number one news show in Canada and was among a flurry of pickups from US networks facing content supply squeezes as a result of the global production shutdown. Mike Cosentino, president of content and programming at CTV parent Bell Media, spoke to me about the series, how the Canadian broadcaster and its in-house studio have adapted to the pandemic and the increasingly competitive nature of streaming. The COVID production shutdown and the COVID pandemic, certainly Canada was not immune to the impact. For us, you know, we were able to ride out uh, most of the spring across our, our services uh, as the pipeline was still pretty pretty robust in terms of delivering content. So I think, you know, we were cutting short some of our delivery of episodes, but we by and large got through most of uh, the spring. You know, the ripple effect then, you know, takes its course, right? The advertising dropping off the cliffs set against an audience surge as as millions of Canadians were, were sent home and quarantining. So we had this anomaly of broadcast audience surges and advertising uh, falling off. Nonetheless, we really um, focused on our news delivery, focused on our uh, production to the extent that we could continue and uh, finish production. Um, and so as we looked at our summer schedule, we you know strategically withheld several titles that were in the can so that we could have certainty of content in the fall. And so here we are sort of in September and um, we're just on the cusp of a new season. We've got a pretty robust uh, schedule. We've We've got a you know a front-loaded fall schedule that features a lot of unscripted and reality programming, along with some scripted content that was again in the can that we held. That we are um, planning to bridge us into what we would say is our you know, our real fall season, which will unfold late October, early November. So with uh, with any luck and hoping that production continues both here in Canada and Hollywood, the content pipeline ramps back up and we don't see any real interruption. And that's you know knocking on wood. To sort of help that along but so far it's a you know we'll cautiously optimistic that we are going to get there advertising is picking back up we're having significant improvement month over month so i think you know we're on our way to a recovery uh, subject to again we can control you know the economy and uh, and obviously all of it based on the uh, the pandemic and keeping that in check so um, we're taking it week by week let's focus on bell media studios that business as you say obviously productions were shut down but production has also restarted as well so how's that journey on the upside been and you know what was the kind of the focus uh, emerging from that that shutdown the bell media studios entity is bell media's in-house production arm we deliver end-to-end content not only to our channels but also to um, international players but we focus on mostly syndicated entertainment programming we have five hours of entertainment programming a day across our various services um, so pandemic hits we scramble
scrambled, revisited our production strategy, and we were able to pivot to a remote strategy. I think we took a few days off to get there, but we ultimately were back on air, you know, in due course, they, with a programming strategy where Bell Media Studios could deliver our shows, be it remotely through remote transmission. So we had a very, very skeleton crew doing some editing, but most of the, all the other work was done remotely in, in the comfort of, uh, and safety of home. So we were able to stay on the air for the most part, and we are just now transitioning back to a gradual return to studio, and we'll see how that goes. So far, so good. So we came on stream with our entertainment show, eTalk, with a rotating uh, host from studio, but we're still remotely operating, and, and so far, you know, the ratings are holding, the show looks great, the production is, I think, very acceptable. So uh, Bell Media Studios is, is a terrific, nimble group, and so, you know, we were able to stay on the air for the most part. And what about the business pre-pandemic, uh, the shows that you've managed to complete and, and to get out there in the market as well? We have a great track record with Bell Media Studios, and, and Bell Media Studios is the entity, uh, the producing partner entity with uh, our big dramas. So Transplant is a perfect example of how Bell Media creates opportunities with uh, international partners, NBC Universal in this case, and uh, Canadian producer Sphere Media. And so Transplant was a show that was uh, brought to us. We were on the hunt for a, a medical drama with a twist. Uh, Transplant uh, is a perfect fit. We greenlit that with NBC Universal. Went to air on CTV uh, in uh, just in maybe late February, just as the pandemic had just started. Quickly became the number one Canadian series in Canada. Uh, big, big ratings. Uh, and then was subsequently sold into the US to NBC, as we know. And, I, and I'm really happy to hear and see how well it's doing. Uh, debuted number one in the time slot for NBC and continue to hold the audience. Big, big PVR gains on C3. And uh, the second episode uh, delivered as well, uh, I think, in an identical audience. So, so super happy about Transplant. And Bell Media is involved with several other, you know, our strategies really now is to greenlight programming, you know, one of three ways, either with a view to take production or distribution, uh, international distribution, to take distribution and sell uh, uh, rights to a sales agent or to participate in the back end with respect to um, international sales. And so those are really the priorities when we look at greenlighting content. So so Transplant was door number three on uh, NBC Universal, being the international distributor and Bell Media participating along with those sales. So we greenlit a show for Discovery Canada called Mud Mountain with Thunderbird Productions out of British Columbia, uh, a really terrific unscripted show for Discovery. And in the case of, of that show, we greenlit that to the extent that we would take, again, distribution. So we are the international distributor for uh, Mud Mountain. We're actively pursuing a deal in the U.S. right now, hoping to close that one imminently. Uh, and so Mud Mountain will, will formally take out at MIPCOM into the schedule for early Q1. And uh, another example of how we're really looking at leveraging our channel group and our investments to drive our revenue through uh, one of three ways of distribution. Just tell me a little bit about how those conversations are kind of changing because um, during this period where there's been a shortage in particular of scripted programming, US pilot season obviously couldn't take place. Um, there has been among US partners an increased uh, appetite, it seems, for programming from all around the world, in particular from, from Canada. So how have those sorts of conversations changed? Uh, well, they've accelerated, you know, for sure. We've had conversations uh, with most of the major U.S. networks around opportunities to uh, to look at content that would be finished product.
product that could deliver into their schedule. You know, so Transplant, obviously working for NBC, uh, their fall show for Tuesdays at 10. A year ago or so, we greenlit the latest uh, series in the Mike Holmes branded franchise. You know, obviously a Canadian renovation personality who has had great success in Canada, the U.S., and a little bit of abroad uh, with the Holmes brand. And so we've greenlit a new uh, show called The Holmes Family Effect uh, for CTV, so for our big network. And so we have had conversations uh, in the U.S. about delivering that series uh, because we are in post-production. We did get the episodes finished and uh, we are having discussions with U.S. broadcasters. I'm confident that in the next four to six weeks, we will land a deal. And I'm very hopeful that we'll have a major broadcaster on board for the Holmes Family Effect south of the border. But again, I think to your point, it's a great example of, you know, great Canadian work that can thrive outside of, you know, Canada. So we, I really think that Canadian producers um, and the industry here believes and supports Canadian producers, independent producers in particular, that are the best amongst others in the world. And so, you know, it's great to see some of this work really thriving. We've got Letter Kenny on Hulu. We've got so many examples. Uh, we've, we've just closed a deal with Jan, our, our comedy, with Jan Arden, with a big global streamer. We've got, uh, you know, several CTV dramas in distribution around the world. So we've got a great track record for sending programs around the world. And of course, now, as I've said, we're focusing on really being part of those conversations to drive revenue and distribution and really building the Bell Media brand globally. So Mud Mountain and um, Holmes Family Effect that you referenced there too, unscripted shows you you mentioned the fact as well that with the full season it's is the unscripted series which are sort of coming to the fore i mean that that genre has been quicker to return to production transplant season two has been commissioned script however is rather more complicated to get back to work on so what can you tell us just about scripted and unscripted and uh, how those two sectors of the of the business are picking up so the good news is that for for most series that you know we're in production pre-pandemic, you know, typically insurance policies would have covered, you know, a, a pandemic-like uh, episode. Um, but since the pandemic has now arrived, you know, what's what the impact is, is, you know, getting incrementally new production off the ground is challenging. So we're working through through that. But in the meantime, you know, unscripted programming is you know, requiring less crew, less, you know, we, we could, you could produce it more safely. And so by and large, um, modest unscripted programming can still get into production and work around the insurance issues. So we're working we're working through that while we try and get the uh, bigger issues solved. You know, we're working with all levels of government and other peer call, uh, broadcasters. So we'll see what happens. But Mud Mountain, you know, was able to complete production. It is shot in a remote part of British Columbia, eight one-hour episodes. We anticipate post-production gets completed just before the new year. And so that should be available for a worldwide telecast in Q121. But that's an example of how producers can work with a very remote footprint and skeleton production staff to really Really deliver the show without any real impact with respect to pandemic issues. We really do it in a, in a safe environment. You mentioned at the top that um, advertising has obviously taken a hit on the broadcast networks. At the same time, the you know the number of viewers coming to channels has been exponential. Streaming too has, I guess, been the beneficiary if there is such a, a thing yeah. from the uh, from the situation. So, what about the the growth of Crave, uh, your own streaming service, and some of the shows that you've been able to put out on that. Crave, as an SVOD service, a Canadian streaming platform that we run, Crave has had the good fortune of benefiting from the impact, and so the Crave subscription volume has grown, and we're really happy to see that. That's a great, it's a great story for us, and I think being able to offer content on a streaming platform like Crave gives us a competitive 
competitive advantage with respect to options in the home. And so we have uh, obviously a lot of partners that are still delivering content from their pipelines, whether it's HBO Max, um, Showtime, and they're launching you know, new shows even this week. So Crave deliver, you know, Crave is a great opportunity for us to continue to deliver premium content despite the shutdown as the, the pipeline is a bit more robust. So we're, we're happy to have Crave and uh, we've been working with our uh, marketing departments and the team at Crave to deliver kind of uh, competitive offers to make sure that Crave's front and center with respect to promotion and, and marketing. Obviously, we've also seen a, a proliferation of streaming services from the US studios, HBO Max, you talked about earlier, Peacock, Disney+. Plus. You know, what impact has that had for you or what impact do you anticipate given that a number of these services as well are sort of clawing back rights to their to their programming? Great question. Um, I think the, um, you know, the access to premium content is um, something we've been tracking in terms of, um, you know, the, uh, the evolution of uh, some of the studios moving into streaming and how does that impact access? And so we've been tracking that. And look, Peacock's not in Canada. Um, HBO Max uh, is our partner. And so we've partnered with that service. And so those originals will come through our services to Crave and to some of our specialty channels. So HBO Max, not in Canada, although HBO and the HBO Max programming on our services. Uh, Peacock's not here. Um, Showtime uh, is also our partner. And so Showtime content is across Crave. Crave's the home of Showtime. But look, you're, you're, you're obviously, you know, asking a key question. Our priority is to, is to deliver premium content to our audiences. We think we have exceptional partnerships uh, abroad uh, and in Hollywood. We've got, uh, you know, partnerships with every major studio and all of the indies and we're working hard to continue to share that pipeline with our audiences um i think it'll be important to keep you know track of, of how the evolution of the market is unfolding it's a dynamic situation but i think we're in great a great position we've got long-term deals with our discovery uh, channel partnership viacom partnerships with mtv and comedy central we've got long-term partnerships with hbo hbo max you know so i think with our really strong domestic strategy shows like transplant and mud mountain and letter Kenny and you know children and everything which i've not talked about but a, a comedy that we've ordered again taken distribution big scripted comedy for ctv that's going to come later in 21 but you know together with a domestic strategy and big partnerships uh, delivering content with certainty we're going to be really ensuring that crave and our other services are are still home to some of the big biggest shows for audiences here in canada all of the trends that we're seeing right now seem to be driving a requirement for greater internal investment in in-house production so what's the vision for Bell Media Studios moving forwards? Well we have been focusing on investing in Bell Media Studios prior to the pandemic but you're right you know if anything we we are accelerating how we look at uh, in-house production through Bell Media Studios more so than ever so I think the opportunity is there we've got the the skill the people the leaders the the resources um, and the channels and so we a uh, perfect example is that uh, we rolled out a production during the pandemic, uh, a lifestyle cooking show of uh, two personalities from their kitchen in their home self, you know, filmed and produced remotely through Bell Media Studios and delivered it to the CTV schedule as fresh, you know, really uh, timely content in a lifestyle genre. Um, so those are the kinds of opportunities we're looking for. We're, we're, we're also mining our um, library of, of IP and looking at uh, how we can unlock some historic programs uh, through production of Bell Media Studios. So I think you're right. I think the opportunity is never better for us to really uh, leverage our resources and uh, our technology and, and deliver programming through Bell Media Studios. How has the shift that has been necessary this year towards virtual events like TIFF, like Content Canada, 
like MIPCOM, the absence of the pilot season, as, as I mentioned, and the LA screenings that you would normally attend. How is that changing things for you? And, you know, what's the next few months looking like as a result? Yeah, I think uh, I think that, the, you know, the way that the industry has been able to pivot, you know, to virtual um, film festivals, virtual and remote production, uh, virtual uh, conferences, such as what's happening with C21. I think that's evidence of just how connected we are as an industry and how we can leverage technology, you know, and it's obviously accelerated what uh, can be possible and forces us all to work, you know, so closely to make sure we don't miss a cycle. And missing a cycle is so important. You know, whether it's a virtual LA screenings, which is what happened this year, virtual studio meetings, virtual studio tours, virtual conferences, it's a way that the industry not only, you know, can come together, but needs to come together. Because I think more than ever, we got to make sure that we're, we're still making um, all the progress we have to. But at the end of the day, we still need to move our industry forward, move our business forward. And the conversations that started and all the plans that were happening prior to the pandemic and the shutdowns, you know, shouldn't end because, you know, technology allows us to, to get together. So I think it's great that we can you know, participate virtually. And I and I wonder whether really we'll make some gains that wouldn't have been seen through the acceleration of technology now that, now that we're forced to be in this position. Mike Cosentino from Bell Media. Glasgow-based Synchronicity Films recently launched an Australian arm in Melbourne, with former BBC drama development producer Ruth Underwood in charge. Founder and creative director Claire Mundell spoke with Michael Pickard about the move, building on relationships developed while making hit miniseries The Cry, and discusses Synchronicity Australia's first project, plus the changing broadcast landscape. I mean, I set the company up, you know, quite some time ago, way back in 2006, and, and it has grown and evolved along, you know, with me and, and the times, I suppose. Initially, I mean, my background was at the BBC. I was working in children's, and I was head of children's at BBC Scotland, but part of the network, so reporting into Nigel Pickard. And then I, I left and set up synchronicity and started making feature films and at that time drama wasn't in the ascendant but you know a few years later the whole drama scripted boom started to build and that's when I switched back to doing television drama started developing the cry and really building the company from there so I mean where we are today is you know there's six of us or including Ruth seven of us in and she's in Melbourne now we're based in Glasgow so I think to date we are still the only 100% owned indigenous scripted indie in Scotland and you know that's been something that for a long time we we just we saw that there was a gap in the market there wasn't anybody you know working out of Scotland and exclusively in the scripted area we had a lot of success with the cry and it was a really good calling card for us and off the back of that you know our slate has matured and we've got some very big projects on there that have all you know been previously announced like the tattoos of Auschwitz which you know are all moving forward in development but the, the Australian thing came about really because when we were out there making the cry we were struck by the the amount of talent that was there that was you know somewhat untapped in the UK and international markets and Jacqueline Persky you know was an example of that and also that there were so many cultural connections it felt very like home but you know just a little bit different and we felt an affinity with being there to be honest plus I think that now that television drama has moved on so much you know and international audiences thanks to Netflix are used to seeing content you know at the same time all over the world the sort of content that Australia makes you know which for 
for quite a long time has been very domestically focused, but with the arrival of the streamers in, in Australia, Netflix and Amazon, I think that's going to change. And it was a combination of all these things. We, you know, we wanted to expand. We wanted to be able to have another arm to our production, but in a in a territory that was allied to, to what we do in the UK. And being Scottish, we chase the sun whenever we can as well. So <laughs> it was quite an organic decision. And, and a lot of it was based on the fact that in Ruth Underwood, who I worked with at BBC Drama, we found a great colleague and someone who came to work, you know, on the cry to do some extra uh, extra work on the scripts just before we got into production. And, and really, um, she had relocated there and we saw an opportunity to kind of carry on working with her. But you know, bit by bit, we we became exposed to, you know, more Australian-based writers whose work we really admired. And there are a lot of other projects on that Australian slate now that we've been busy developing in the background and that, you know, we'll, we'll announce in, in due course. But Ash Mountain felt like the the one to kind of really launch the company with because uh, Helen is Helen Fitzgerald is a Glaswegian in many respects but you know born in Australia she's lived here now longer than she lived in Australia but she wanted to write a piece that was 100% set you know back home and we actually optioned that book before she'd even written it I mean she told me the pitch for it she she just told me she wanted to write a book about a, a, a terrible fire and what it would do to a small town a town similar to the town that she grew up in and that was pretty much the pitch and we had had such a great experience on the cry I mean I'm a bit of a Helen Fitzgerald fangirl I've I've optioned almost everything she's ever written and um, I didn't want to run the risk of not getting her next book so I just said well you know we will option it now and you know she hadn't even written a one pager on it to be honest so it was a big leap of faith but I think it's testament to the relationship that we've built over time with her as a novelist you know so we now have like four or five of her books some titles of which I can't tell you because there'll be an announcement about them to come but but with Ash Mountain, I'd certainly never done that before, you know, but we felt the risk was worth it because we wanted to trade on the success of The Cry. We wanted a project that would be a big, you know, sort of landmark project for the Australian slate. And Helen wanted to write something, you know, about home. Uh, so it all seemed to kind of align nicely. And I'm, I, I like taking risks. I'm, I'm definitely not risk averse. So I just I just thought, well, let's let's jump in and do it, which has kind of got us to where we are. And I think it's an interesting time to be doing it because, as I say, I think there have been occasions in the past where Australian drama has struggled domestically, but largely because of you know lack of resources or a system whereby sometimes scripts would be greenlit after only a few passes. Whereas you know the amount of talent that's there and great great writing, great directors across the board it just seemed like it sort of seemed like a bit of a no-brainer to us it was a bit untapped and because we're a UK-based company we could both offer a route to the UK for Australian talent that wants to do that we could offer ourselves as a UK production entity to Australian-based companies but we could also develop stuff on the ground in the territory and that's those are the three you know things that we're doing. Talk a bit more about your relationship with Ruth Underwood who's going to be leading the office yep. and her remit and how you're going to kind of kind of mesh together with as I say, I, Ruth was script producer and script editor at the BBC and BBC Drama when I, uh, and that's how I got to know her. And um, she's she's just a wonderful, a wonderful editorial person, brilliant on script, brilliant with writers, and she 
you know, I discovered that she was living in Melbourne because she wrote a post on Facebook about love and going to live in Melbourne for love. And, and I kind of spotted it and was like, oh, that's a synchronicity to pardon my, um, my catchphrase. But I thought it was, you know, I was looking for someone to help out on those scripts at the last minute and up pops Ruth. So I think we very much like to kind of, I guess, follow opportunities that feel uh, instinctive and organic. And, and knowing Ruth and knowing what she was capable of, it just seemed like she would she was a great person, certainly, to, to work with at that point. I mean, I think I said to her, we've got a couple of weeks work for you. Do you want to come and work on these scripts? And, well, this is August 2020. So, like, that's two years, you know, it was two years of conversations, but that the ambition was always to bring her into the company and, and proceed in this way. I think that her remit is to find and champion great Australian writers and to find Australian material and develop Australian material that has potential to be international. I think I think all drama has to be international these days if you want to achieve the level of funding to match the ambition. But it's really as simple as that, to be honest. She is a very editorially focused person. She's now relocated there permanently and has already made great inroads in building relationships with people. So she felt like a natural choice. I mean, aside from all the, the nice touchy-feely stuff about Australia and the sunshine and, you know, all of that, clearly there's a there's a business benefit there in being able to literally double the amount of production that we can do. We can also look at the territory as a, a filming location for some of the projects on our UK slate that, you know, could potentially be taken out there. Obviously, there are great tax incentives and a great range of locations to film in. So it feels like having someone on the ground over there who can both be building Indigenous projects and international projects with Australian writers and showrunners, but it's also someone over there from a production point of view who can have half an eye on what can we also bring in to the country to film there, you know? And I mean, one of the great benefits of working with Australia when you're in drama production is you can discuss the script, you know, notes on the script at eight o'clock on a Wednesday morning and, you know, you go to your bed overnight you wake up the next morning and they're there because of course they're 12 hours ahead of us so so you literally can be you really can be incredibly efficient actually which is a great payoff for the late night and early morning zoom calls that you have to do but um yeah that Ruth's remit is to find and develop and champion those uh, Australian writers and as I say we've already obviously Ash Mountain is a novel but we are currently talking to writers over there uh, to come on board to adapt it and there with a couple of other projects which we haven't announced yet, which are completely homegrown Australian projects, but which we think are got massive international potential. And it's really about championing that. The fact that you've done it during a global pandemic sort of means that you're not kind of too worried about the industry contracting or kind of becoming more domestic over the next few months or even years. Yeah, I mean, time will tell, Michael, you know, <laughs> but it feels intuitive to us to do this, even though, you know, the world is sort of going in a you know is contra- in many ways things are contracting at the moment but but actually i think that the search for content is the same and and by opening another office in a different territory but an english-speaking territory with a culture that's sort of quite aligned to ours although although obviously you know distinctive as well i think we just double our chances of finding those voices and you know the other thing about writers in australia is that that there is a tradition of working on long-running returnable shows which means there's a lot of writers there who've had a lot of experience in story rooms and working in rooms together which makes them very uh, adaptable but also um, agile I think in terms of story so yeah I mean it probably does sound like a slightly insane thing to do but in for a penny in for a pound I mean 
I, I think you just have to, you've got to be bold in this business, haven't you? And, um, and when things feel like a natural fit, they're definitely, they're worth exploring. So we hope that it will be a, a two-way street in terms of us bringing those who want to come to the UK, find, providing a, you know, a route for that, but also, you know, championing great domestic product from Australia, but taking it to the international stage. And I, I, I don't know, I mean, things are contracting, but the demand is increasing. You know, there's never been greater demand for content. You know, we have a world of literally captive audiences, you know, looking for content. And come next year, I mean, I think the pipeline is going to be it will be drying up pretty quickly. I'm sure you must have been speaking to various companies about that. So yeah, it's just, it, it's an attempt to diversify in a way that is a bit left field, I suppose. But I, you know, we sit in the nations and regions and we do think quite laterally quite a lot of the time about how to, you know, how do we want to evolve? And this this one just felt like a natural, a natural thing to do. Apart from opening a new office on the other side of the world, I mean, how has, you know, the last few months been? I think we spoke to you probably in, in sort of April time as things were beginning to bite and, you're talking a lot about your plans I guess for script development so how have those few months been for you and how have you kind of managed to keep going and and expand during this period? Working from home has not been a problem for development at all Uh, if anything it's given us you know the opportunity to have quite a concentrated period of of, of focusing on development Um, we've got quite a few projects in an advanced stage and so we've been focusing on pushing them as far along the line as, as quickly as possible in this time frame because I think everyone's in the same boat and everyone is trying to gather you know projects and get them to a stage of readiness for pitching you know when when things return to normal in inverted commas so we fortunately like we we've managed to keep going financially we you know we're all still working full-time on the slate and I think that it remains to be seen what happens you know what trends emerge in the in the wider drama industry but I think there'll be a, a move towards even greater dependence on IP and and projects which are based on properties that people know that commissioners feel might take away some of the some of the risk profile obviously there's been a lot of things happen over the last few months including black Lives matter and you know the whole change in the landscape which is long overdue i think one of the great upsides of what we've seen happening on screen with things like I May Destroy You is the championing of original voices. So, you know, although although there will be an increased search for IP, big IP, I think that also we've seen how successful, you know, original distinctive voices can be in breaking through. So, I mean, I feel maybe, maybe I'm just blindly optimistic, but I do feel quite positive about the possibilities. I think the biggest challenge is that the terrestrial platforms and Inevitably, you know, they have limited slots. A lot of projects have stalled this year because of coronavirus, so they've been pushed to next year, which means that available opportunities push on another year. You know, the big challenge for indies in drama is is staying alive long enough to be able to develop the projects to the level they need to be developed to to get them, you know, commissioned. I think that might push a lot of indies even more into the streamer space because demand there is is ever increasing and they're not restricted by slots you know they they just need a lot of content I think it probably you know calls on us to be more strategic about what we're doing and and where are you know where we feel 
we would go to first with projects. It's not that there'll be fewer opportunities, it might just be a longer period of time to wait before um, the terrestrial channels can, can offer those opportunities. But, you know, for every rule, there's a massive exception. And I still think if you come along with a great piece of material, broadcasters will find a way to, to make that happen because they're as aware as, as anyone that um, it's a competitive landscape out there. And I think they're getting more and more receptive to that as to how to compete for material in a way that, you know, they never used to have to do that. Yeah, so I think Touchwood so far, you know, we've we've been just busy with our heads down, working on the slate, finding new material and um, and getting ready to get out there and, and sell some new stuff. And with the Australian entity, that gives us a whole other level of business that's, ha- that's literally happening while we sleep. So, yeah, I think by the law of averages, I guess we're increasing our overall chances of success because we're increasing our activity. But as I say, it's in a way that feels very organic to us and, 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 and intuitive. I feel quite positive about stuff i mean i don't know maybe ask me in six months time where we are (laughs) but you know if if you develop drama i think you've already got an appetite for risk because you do have to be slightly insane to do it you know it's not a quick win and so you know i think it's about um sort of being passionate about the projects that you've got and you know the ones that you're not that passionate about they 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 naturally fall by the wayside so i think budgets are getting tighter i think obviously covid's a whole other uh, additional complication and you know some of those additional costs are met by funders some of them are not but i still think the audience's appetite for premium drama content there's no sign of it waning anytime soon and you know the the quality of a lot of scripted shows is just incredible and it's getting better and better and that's exciting when you work in this space and you you know you want to do good work it just inspires you to find projects of quality and great writers um, even more Claire Mandel from Synchronicity Films that's all for this episode there'll be more from the podcast tomorrow but in the meantime stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online on mobile and social media thanks for listening